always forget my water. Man, Galatians chapter 4 really is a thank you very much. What a servant, man. Um, we're going to miss, miss Mike and the graduates. And um, Galatians chapter 4 is really a continuation of Galatians chapter 3. There really is no break. Um, the, the, the chapter break was put in later, not by Paul. Uh, but it's okay. There's a lot of verses here. We will not get through all of them tonight. And uh, we are praying for two of these sections, and we'll see. Uh, but this is how it's broken down. Galatians chapter 4 is broken down this way. We're going to see that Paul, and what Paul's been doing is, this is what Paul's been talking about. From chapter 3, here's what he's been talking about. He's been talk, uh, talking about salvation, okay, being saved, becoming a Christian, okay, is by grace alone, okay? So in other words, we didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. We didn't do something to, to get that salvation as far as earning it, okay? So by grace alone, through faith alone, that means the only thing that we did, and this we do not consider this a work, we simply believed what God said. We, we, we placed our faith in Jesus, his son, and what Jesus did. Jesus came to this earth through the, the womb of Mary, that, that young virgin then. And he lived a, a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for our sins. And so we believe they were resurrected and ascended back to the Father. We believe all of those things. So we've been saved by grace alone. We say, man, it's the grace of God. Okay, by grace alone. Through faith alone. Okay, in other words, it wasn't a work. It's just me placing my faith in God. And then by Christ alone. Or I'm sorry, faith alone in Christ alone. So we were saved by grace alone through faith alone, in Christ alone. So we didn't get saved in some other way. Uh, Jesus said there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so we, 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 we know that there's only one way to get to, the, to get to heaven, get to the Father, to be saved, and that's through Jesus. So that's what that statement is, is, is saying there. And that's what Paul's been trying to get the Galatians to, to understand. And so what he does is he tells them first in verses 1 through 7 that, hey, you guys are children of God, okay? You're children of God. We'll take a look at that in just a minute. The second section is going to be verses 8 through 20 and the fact that they actually chose slavery. When he tells them they're children of God, there's freedom that comes along with that. But they actually chose slavery and uh, we might get to that tonight, but I, we'll see. And then children of the free woman, uh, we'll look at that uh, next week, verses 21 through 31. Let's look at verses 1 through 7 where Paul tells them, and again, he's continuing his, his uh, um, teaching from chapter 3 on into chapter 4. And he says in verse 1, he uses this, this uh, example. He's going to be using some examples here in this chapter. Now, I say that the heir... Okay, an heir is someone who inherits something, okay? So um, if you've got a, a parent or grandparent, oftentimes they will leave things to you when they pass. And maybe when they pass away, you might get an amount of money or you might get, you know, your grandpa's old truck or, you know, there's all kinds of things that, you know, our grandparents might leave for us or uh, even our parents uh, many of your parents probably have like a will or a trust or something like that, and they're leaving things to you. You're, you're their heir, and you are inheriting things. He says, now I say that the heir, 
as long as he is a child. Now, here's what he's doing. He's giving them, the Galatians, an example, saying, okay, let's, let's look at uh, uh, those who get an inheritance. Let's look at children and parents and all of that to, to explain what I'm trying to tell you, Galatians. He says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. And all of you guys say, amen. My parents just think I'm a slave. Okay. We'll talk about why he mentioned slaves in just a minute. But he says, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards under the time until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, there it is. There's, okay, now it's the same way for us. When we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But let's talk about some of these statements, these words or phrases in here. We talked about what an heir is or an heiress. He's going to talk about, Paul's going to talk about sons of God. Ladies, do not be discouraged by that, okay? Uh, I have no doubt that if Paul were here right now, he would say, no, no, it's sons and daughters. We're children of God. It's not that he's just saying only the guys can be children of God. We all know that the ladies oftentimes are way godlier than the guys, right? We, we, see, none of the guys objected to that. We all know. <laughs> now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. Let me tell you what he said. He's talking to the Galatians, okay? Uh, one of these ancient cultures. And it was very normal for the families to have a slave that they owned or servants in their homes, okay? It was not a problem for them. Obviously, it would be a problem for us, okay? Especially because of our past here in America. It's like, no, we're not, we're not doing the slave thing, okay? But here, it was very normal for them. Now, he's not focusing on the slave. What he's focusing on is the child. Now, let's say this. Let's just, let's just pretend you, you, in your mind, you put yourself back in Galatia back at this time, okay? And you've got your dad and your mom and, of course, you. And, uh, and then you've got some servants, maybe a servant or some servants. Oftentimes, there were servants, multiple, okay? Now, You've got a dad, you've got a mom. You're the son or you're the daughter, okay? So that means that you're the heir of whatever your parents have, okay? Whatever they've got, their home, their money, their animals, whatever they've got, okay? You're their heir. Now, because you are, you just, just say you're underage, okay? You would be considered a child, their child, your parents' child, okay? Even though you're the heir, now you've, you've got this position where, hey, I'm the heir, and I'm, I'm going to get all of those things, but you do not have them yet, okay? They're, they still belong to your parents. And uh, you will, one of these days, you, you will get that, and probably along with that, probably along with their property, you will probably also inherit those servants or those slaves. I know, again, we don't like that idea, but this is the way it was in Galatia, Okay? But for the time being, he says the kid who one of these days will grow and get all of the stuff, you know, own the empire, for the time being, that child, even though one of these days he will grow up and be the master of the house, for the time being, he's the same as the slave. You go, well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that the, the, the son, the little kid or daughter, they don't have the freedom to just go out and do whatever they want. They can't just go out and live like an adult because they've got restrictions because they're underage. Now, there are many of you in here that drive. How many of you are driving? How many of you are driving? Okay, 
you're driving. And so you know that, okay, there's, you know, there's certain things I can do and certain things I can't do. You get your license, super excited. You want to go pick up all of your posse, all of your crew, all of your homies. And then you remember that, ah, oh, I can't because I have to be a certain age in order to have all of my friends in the car, right? Legally. Okay. <laughs> and so, of course, you don't do that because you're good Christian boys and girls and you go to revival and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Okay. But anyhow, you, you know that you've got restrictions. Well, Paul is saying, listen, we're, we're, we're talking in, in, in human terms here, but we're trying to explain something spiritual. And so he says, let's just put ourselves in the place of the child. Okay, so we're, we're the heirs, but we're not there yet. And we've got this servant watching over us, even though the, the servant one of these days will probably answer to me. Right now, I'm answering to the servant because I'm a child and that servant is responsible for watching out for me, okay? So everybody's good with that? Yes, all right. He says in verse two, he explains, but this, this child is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father, until the father decides that, okay, you do not need these, these uh, guardians and stewards. You don't, you don't need these servants watching over you anymore. You're old enough, you know, you can go ahead, you can take the donkey, and, uh, but you need to make sure that you have it back by midnight and, uh, you know, don't pack all of your friends on there because then you'll get in a donkey rack and, you know, it won't, won't be good or whatever. And so you, you know that, okay, I, 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 until, until the father decides, until your father decides that, that you're old enough, you've got to be under these guardians and these stewards. Okay, good. Even uh, verse three, even so we, there goes Paul. Now, Paul, he's just given us that example. And now he says, even so we. So now what he's doing is he's taking that example and he's applying it to the spiritual life, this spiritual message that he's trying to tell the Galatians. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage. Now you don't know this yet, but I've, I've read ahead. And what he's talking about when he says when we were children, he means before we got saved. You know, and, and uh, but 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 even when we did get saved, and we're you know we're um, we'll, we'll talk about that. But before we before we get saved, look what he says. Even so, we when we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world. In other words, we had to do everything according to what the the world told us. Whatever the world was doing, we we had to follow those rules, right? Now, for those of you that are in here that um, were uh, you know we're, we're saved. There was a time when you were not saved. And before you got saved, you just did whatever the world did. Even now, we still struggle, right? Even as Christians, sometimes we get caught up just doing whatever the world is doing. And so there's a struggle there for us. But before you got saved, you were under bondage to the world. You just did whatever the world did. You know, it's just, you just went along with that. And uh, you all see the trends. We see the trends, right? You go through your social media. You see all the trends, you know, everybody's got to go to, you know, all the celebrities have to travel to this place or that place. We watch a lot of, I was going to say, we watch a lot of soccer. It's the only thing we watch. We don't watch any of the sports. And um, everybody right now, Messi, Messi came to Miami, he came to Miami. Okay. Well, at his first game in Miami a couple of weeks ago, I mean, everybody was there. You had Kardashians there, you had DJ Khaled there, you had, uh, I just, every, all the celebrities were there. And they're all walking around and taking pictures and shaking hands. And, you know, it was just, it was like the biggest, you know, it was the biggest deal. If you were a celebrity, you had to be at that game, you know. 
And, and so, but I, I was funny because I was watching and I'm seeing all these celebrities and um, I'm thinking, man, you know, like they, they, in a sense, those celebrities, they just have to be there because it's kind of like, well, that's what all the cool people are doing. So I just, I have to go do that also. And uh, you know, that's, that's us. Just before we get saved, we just, we have to go do whatever everybody else is doing. You know, whatever they're doing, we got to do it. We're in bondage to that. But in verse 4, I like when Paul is explaining something, and then he says, but, here it is, but when the fullness of the time had come. What time? What are you talking about, the fullness of the time? Here he says in verse 4, God sent forth his son, that's Jesus, born of a woman, that was Mary, born under the law. If you understood this or ever realized this, but Jesus, when he was born, was born from Mary. Okay, he was born under the law. In other words, the the Old Testament law. Those of you that come on Sunday mornings, you know we've been studying that Old Testament law for a long time, and that law, Jesus was born under that law. In other words, he was submitted to that that Old Testament law. Okay, so Paul's explaining that. But it was at the fullness of time. Right when, when God said it was the right time, he sent Jesus, his son, born of a woman, born under the law. But why? Verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law. So Jesus was born under the law. The reason he was born under the law was to redeem those who were under the law. Now, yours truly. I used to work at a, I had a lot of glamorous jobs in my life janitor, which, who cares about that, right? Whatever, I didn't even like that job. Um, but I also worked at a recycle, I worked for a recycling company. If you ever use tin foil, nobody ever calls it tin foil, huh? That's how old I, okay, tin foil. It's tin foil. Um, but if you ever use foil, if you ever buy Reynolds wrap, okay, I used to work for Reynolds Aluminum. I know, I know, pretty cool, huh? And it was a really glamorous job. I used to buy back people's recyclable bottles and cans and glass. Okay? I worked at one of those uh, recycling spots, you know, where people come and, you know, they turn in their, their glass and their bottles or cans and, you know, and then you give them money for their containers. I did that. And actually, I loved that job. I don't love it nearly as much as I love doing this, uh, but I loved it. I was outside, hot, sweaty, stinky, all that kind of stuff, but I loved it. Anyhow, the deal with recycling is you, when you go to the store and you buy those, those, uh, those bottles, cans, plastics, whatever they are, even when you go, you know, and you buy your Arizonas or your Peace Teas or whatever you're buying, uh, you are paying a certain amount for the container. And then you can take that back to a recycling place and redeem that money. You gave that money when you bought it, but then you can take the, the bottle back and redeem it. Okay. You're buying it back. That's, that's, that's basically what, what the recycling company is doing or the state of California is buying it back from you, okay? So Paul here uses that word in verse 5 that Jesus was born under the law to redeem those, to buy them who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And I am going to put the word adoption up here and that's going to be the only sub-point under this main point for tonight, uh, under this heading, but the way that we became children of God is through adoption. Now, this is, this is absolutely amazing, okay? Here's why. 
I'm getting really excited. Let me, let me calm down a bit, okay? Uh, he says at the end of verse 4 that we might receive the adoption as sons. And again, I, I do not feel anything's wrong with saying sons and daughters or just children of God. And because you are sons or children, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. It's a beautiful, uh, um, uh, that Abba, Father. He's saying, Daddy. Abba is Daddy. Daddy, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, we'll get to those in just a minute. But, but here's, here's one of the beautiful things about this, and that is that he came to redeem us, that we might receive the adoption as sons or as children of God. Now, let me tell you why this is so uh, wonderful, okay? Uh, because adoption, and, and no doubt, uh, I know that we have some, adopt, some people that were adopted you know, as part of our youth group, you've been adopted, okay? And I know um, I've, I've got a, a nephew um, that I love dearly that was adopted into our family, into my, my sister's family. And um, I, 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 think, I, I know that sometimes with adoption, the, the person that's been adopted can feel like, oh, you know, I'm a loser, you know. And oftentimes the focus can be on, well, I had parents, but they didn't want me. And, and I know that sometimes that's a struggle. But it is, um, it is such a beautiful picture to me. Yes, I understand that somebody, either somebody didn't want the person or whatever the circumstances were, they could not keep that child. But I, I, I quickly forget about that because I'm too focused on the fact that somebody actually chose that person. That's incredible. See, my poor mom and dad, they didn't have a choice with me, right? They just got me. My mom gave birth to me, and, uh, you know, they just thought I was the greatest. You know, your parents, you know, they just think that you're the greatest thing in the world. And, you know, uh, for a while, you know, I'm the oldest. And so, you know, I was like, the, you know, I was the baby boy. My parents were a little bit older. Um, I think they were like really late 20s when they had, you know, when they had me. And, uh, you know, so that was, that was a little bit older for, for them. And, um, but, but they had me, but they really didn't have a choice. They just, is what they got, right? They, they couldn't, they had, they had no say about any of that. And uh, they thought I was great. And all the baby pictures, they just thought I was the greatest thing in the world. You know, and then, then they didn't. But, um, <laughs> you know, you know that they, they didn't have a choice. But, man, I think about adoption. And it's like, if you were adopted, somebody actually went looking for you. And it is, it is no, I'm sure you, if you've been adopted, I'm sure you know. It is no easy peasy process, man. It is, it's long. It's strenuous. It's, it's heart wrenching. It's nerve wracking. It's costly. It costs monetarily. It will cost your sanity going through the process. It will cost you sleep at night. You got to go through court and all the different things. And you work and, uh, you know, I got to work with these people and that people and try to, you know, rearrange all of this. It, it is incredible that parents go through that process and, and choose to adopt some baby. That's incredible. And if you were adopted, God bless you. I mean, that's, that is, that is incredible. It's such a, a, 
such a sweet thing. And not only is it a sweet thing, not only is it a beautiful thing, it's a picture of what God has done for every single one of us. See, even if you were born into a Christian family, even if your parents were Christians, which is a good thing, it's a really good thing, okay? But even if they were Christians, you didn't automatically become a Christian. Now, you may have gotten saved, man, when you were little, you know? You know, somebody may have preached the gospel to you when you were just in diapers or something, and you probably, you might have a really cool story about how you got saved when you were still, you know, just a little baby or a little tiny kid or whatever, and that is, that is, I was telling somebody, I don't remember when we were talking about this, but we were talking about testimonies, you know, and sometimes you hear a testimony from somebody, like, oh yeah, I got saved, man, when I was 60 years old, you know, and I had already killed 20 people, and, you know, I did, you know, every drug known to mankind, and, you know, I was, you know, in Colombia working with drug lord or whatever, they got this all, like, this crazy story, and you just think, oh man, you, but, but the whole time I'm thinking, yeah, you needed to get saved. Like, what's so surprising about that? Man, you were awful. But when somebody, like so many of you, like, so, like when somebody gets saved when they're just real young, and they're just like, yeah, I, you know, I, I never did drugs. I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't drink. I didn't go out and party, you know. Like, I, I'm just, you know, I got saved when I was real, real little, and I've been following the Lord ever since VeggieTales, you know. And you're just like, yeah, I just, I've just been following the Lord. Listen, there's no better testimony than that. The fact that God can grab a hold of a young heart and then captivate that heart for all of their lives is, there's no better testimony than that. Yeah, just always follow the Lord. There's no better testimony than that. So don't feel like if, you, if you've been saved, you know, since you were real little, don't feel like, oh man, you know, I don't really have a cool testimony. No, you've got the best testimony. Anyhow, anyhow, I digress. Adoption. And the fact that God adopted us, we were not born. We may have been born into Christian families. I was not, but many of you were. Even if we were born into Christian families, you still needed to place your faith in God. Okay? You still needed to do that. You still needed to get saved. Because God does not have any grandkids. He's only got kids. And each of us needs to place our faith in God. And what Paul is telling the Galatians here is, look, look, Galatians, you've been adopted by God. You belong to God. God adopted you. You weren't born into his family. You were born again, but that's, that's God, God was adopting you. And then he goes on in verse 6, and he says, because you are sons, because you've been adopted, look at this. God has sent forth the spirit of his son, stop there, into your heart. Sorry, stop there. This is just a second. Because you've been adopted by God? God also gave you his Holy Spirit. Now, that's important. Here's why. Because when you got saved, he gave you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come at some later time. You're going to hear that in your lifetime. When you got saved, God gave you his Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit. If you're saved here tonight, you've got God's Spirit living inside of you. Incredible. Okay? And because you are sons of God, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. And then this is what we cry out, Abba, Father. And the word Abba means Daddy. Isn't that cool? Daddy. Daddy. Okay. Now, I, I didn't ever call, uh, at least I don't remember calling my dad Daddy. But I always called him Dad. I always called him Dad. I don't know what you call your dad. Okay. But... This is a, this is, it's, it's a term of endearment. 
And, and what this indicates is that we have, we've been, because we've been adopted by the Father, by God the Father, we have this special relationship with him. And we do not necessarily need to address him as uh, holy, heavenly father, you know, how great, you know. But we can actually approach him as Abba, as daddy, father. What a, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing to know that we have that type of relationship with him. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to the world. Isn't that wonderful news? We've been set free. You're a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ. And what did you inherit? What did I inherit when I got saved? What did I inherit? Well, I inherited eternal life. Okay? I also got to inherit this life of my sins being uh, 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 forgiven. But because we have become children of God, we get, man, that comes with benefits, you know? It comes with benefits. What an incredible thing. Now, man, we are not going to get through the second section, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go ahead and start it because I'm crazy like that. I know, I know. We're going to start it, and then um, we'll just, we'll get through a couple of the sections here, and then we'll just... Yeah, it's all right. What? We're making the rules. <laughs> right? Verse 8. Verse 8 begins our next section. Even though they belonged to God, they were children of God, and along with that came benefits and freedom, Paul is now saying, listen, you guys are choosing slavery. Verse 8. But then indeed, when you did not know God, okay, so he takes them back again. When you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. What? In other words, you served idols. You just served empty things, you know. Even if they were gods in the form of idols, however big or small, there's really nothing to them, he's saying. You, you, you were just, you were serving emptiness. Verse 9, but now, after you have known God, so he, now he brings them back, he says, Galatians, you know God, you belong to him, or rather are known by God, which is more important, it's more important for God to know you than for you to know God. All, all he means by that is that, yeah, you, you know God, but more importantly, God knows you intimately, okay? We're still learning God intimately. We do have a relationship with him. We do know him in that sense. He says in verse 9, since you, since you have this relationship with God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage you observe days and months and seasons and years and that's as far as we will get tonight let me explain these and then we'll probably just come back and cover these again next time but let me explain something to you the first thing that he tells him here is that choosing slavery i know the the word choosing would indicate this but he makes it clear in verse 9 that it was a personal choice he says after you have known god or are rather known by God. In other words, after you got saved, how is it that you turn again? Okay, there it is. There's an indication there. You turned again to the weak and beggarly elements. What are weak and beggarly elements? Well, he's going to tell us in just a minute, and that's where we'll finish. You turned back to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire. There's the personal choice again. It was their choice to which you desire again to be in 
bondage. In other words, he's saying, you turned back, you had this freedom, this, this special relationship with God, and you're turning away from that to go back and be a slave. He's saying, basically, that would be like a little kid, go back to the beginning of the chapter, and what does he say? He's saying, that would be like being a little kid, and um, you are, you know, there's, there's servants watching over you, but then you get old enough, and you become, you, you inherit all of your parents' stuff, but then you decide that you're not going to, 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 to be the master of the house anymore. You're going to go back to being a little kid, and you're going to have servants over you. And he's saying, why would you do that? You, you put yourself back in bondage. Now, what are the weak and beggarly elements? He names those for us in verse 10. Here are the weak and beggarly elements. And these are only a few. You observe days and months and seasons and years. Now, what does he mean by this? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I mean, it sounds like what? they. So they were following the calendar? Like, what's the problem, Paul? Or, you know, they celebrated special days, holidays? Christmas is less than five months away. Did you know that? I know. I know. I can hardly wait. But fall first, right? Fall first. Autumn's coming, okay? Michael's, you know, and all the craft stores. I mean, I don't hang out in those places. But, you know, I heard somebody told me. Uh, how is it that you turn again? What are the weak and beggarly things? Here, here's, here's what he's saying in verse 10. You observe days and months and seasons and years. What he's saying is this. When he says you observe, he means religiously. You're observing days and months and seasons and years. What he's saying is, and in case you haven't been here, let me tell you what, he's all, what all this is talking about. Okay, The Galatians were being tricked by false teachers. And the false teachers were saying, oh, you're a Christian? Mm. Well, what Paul didn't tell you was, you can't just be a Christian. It's not what the, what the, the, the false teachers would say. It's not by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Mm -mm. No, you've got to go back and follow all of the Old Testament laws and rules and judgments and statutes. That's what they were telling these guys. And the Galatians were going, oh, yeah, we gotta, what we need to do is not be Christians. We need to be Jews first. We need to convert to Judaism, proselytize, and then we can get saved by doing a bunch of good works. And Paul is saying, no, that's ridiculous. You're already saved. You didn't get saved by doing good works. That's that's, that's not going to work. You're just putting yourself back in bondage. And now that you're, you're practicing Judaism, now you have to make sure that you observe all these special days and holidays and months and seasons and years. And Paul's trying to set them free from that. It's okay. It's okay if you want to celebrate religious holidays and whatever else. But if you feel like you have to in order to be closer to God or to be holy or to be more of a Christian, then you're mistaken. I've got good news for you. You're free in Christ. And whether you celebrate that specific holiday or you do not, God still loves you. If you get sick in April and you can't be here for Easter morning service, what if you get sick and you can't make it? What is it or what if the car breaks down on the way? What does that mean? Does that mean that God is now angry at you? No. God loves you no matter what. You, understand? you get it? God loves you no matter what. You could miss or be here. You can dye your hair or not dye your hair. You could be tall. You could be short. You can say the wrong thing. You can think the wrong thing. 
watch the wrong thing, listen to the wrong thing, you could have a bad attitude, and God's not going to stop loving you. That's what the Bible teaches, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's what Paul said in Romans. And, and Paul is trying to get these Galatians to understand, man, you're already free. You don't have to go through all of the, 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 the religious things. In other words, you can't do something that's going to make God love you more. He already loves you. He already loves you. Now, do we want to do things to be pleasing to him? Absolutely. Yes. But there's nothing that can, if we were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, then I'm going to be right with the Lord in the same way, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. In other words, there isn't anything I can do that's going to get me points with God. Nothing. No religious trips, no religious holidays. Is it fun to celebrate Easter? It absolutely is. After the crowd dies down, we're back here the following Sunday celebrating Easter again. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead. And it's something that we do all the time. It's not just one day. And so Paul wants the Galatians to know that, hey, you're free, man. You've got freedom. Father, thank you so much for tonight. And for